0: Welcome to today's episode of High Energy Health. Thank you so much for tuning in with us and for sharing your time with us, your space, your energies. I'm Miriam Paninski. I'm your guest host for this week and the, the upcoming weeks. And today I have the amazing pleasure to be in conversation with the inspiring Anne Berube. Thank hey. you, Anne.
1: Oh, hi. It's so good to be here with you, Miriam.
0: Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we made this. So I just want to introduce you quickly for the odd for those who don't who may not know you yet, but who should get to know you as fast as possible. So Anne is a is a real powerful teacher and and I think what people have called the capacity to awaken your inner wisdom, which is beautiful. And in her hunger for wisdom, she has earned a PhD in comparative literature. And we just talked about how we shared that background. And besides her spiritual and soul search studying, she's a best selling author. And today we will talk about her new book. Coming out in April, The Burnout Antidote. Thank you so much for being here, Anne. Oh, thank
1: you. So happy.
0: I'm so excited for
1: our conversation.
0: Me too. <laughs> so so for, those of us, for those of us who don't know you yet, would you tell us a little bit of your journey and how you became the teacher, or if I may say the healer and the coach you are today, having started with a more formal academic trajectory. And in your book, you also mentioned what you call a mystical experience in 2001. So maybe you wouldn't mind sharing that as well. So we just want to hear more about you.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And so, you know, my identity was very much connected to my intellect. (laughs) So I knew who I was when I was able to make sense of things, very logical, very rational. And since I was a very young girl, I think it was a way for me to survive my environment. It was to be that, that person that was capable and that was you know, able to, to be there for other people. But it was mostly up in my intellect, not in my body, not in my heart. I think you know many of your listeners could relate to having gone through different traumas in childhood that really disconnect you from yourself, from your soul, from your core essence. And you grow up more in vigilance right? Like mm-hmm. you can't be relaxed and open and creative if you're in vigilance, if you're always trying to be on your guard and protect yourself, because, you know, the, the messaging wasn't that the world is a safe place, or that it's safe for me to be sensitive, or that it's safe for me to be open and to be my authentic self. And at 23 years old, I had a near fatal car accident where on the mm-hmm. impact, my lungs partially collapsed, and my liver lacerated in half, and I was unconscious. And I saw like a movie in front of my mind's eyes, my life. And it wasn't the life I was living. It was the life I came to live. I... I knew it was my life because it felt so, so real. And the love felt so, so, so real and so intense. And it was a love with no opposite. I had never experienced anything like that before. I could see all the people who loved me, the people I love. I saw my husband. I saw my children. I saw that I was a teacher. And when I woke up the next day in the hospital, I just knew I had to change my ways. Like I had to find a way to live that life. I was I was really going down the wrong path. (laughs) And I think a lot of people in their twenties, they do go down the wrong path. So for some reason I wasn't I wasn't supposed to go down the wrong path for very, very long. Mm -hmm. And that that was kind of the first big wake-up call to, to start to love myself and to understand myself from a deeper sense, a more spiritual sense, a more um soul sense. And and I talk about this a little bit in the book as well, is about five years later that I really, really understood how to how to uh, how to live like that. So I was in academia writing my thesis. I had my son was just one year old, and I've been living with sinus pain. So Uh, It's been going on for two years nonstop. There was nothing that the doctors could do. I changed my diets. I changed so many things. I tried everything and and it turned out that it was a huge emotional baggage (laughs) that I was carrying that was creating so much pressure in my head um and I kind of I go into details about that experience but it was a really powerful one where I I allowed that release to happen at a a body level and and then and when that happens this wave of emotion like almost like a tsunami of emotion like rippled Mm -hmm. through my body it was shaking it was crying it was you know, screaming, it was all the dramatic mm-hmm. stuff of a first breakdown. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you, you can relate in some ways. Absolutely, um, I, I realized that, huh, this body of mine, like this, this beautiful instrument was my friend and I, I had been living disconnected from it. And my heart held so much wisdom and so much love for me. And I just never, You know, in academia, I, (laughs) my head was the important thing, not my heart. And then my, you know, I I felt like I, my body was almost like a stick to carry my head from conference to conferences. Like I did not think that there was anything important below the neck. (laughs) And then, and then that day I, you know, I came home, I came home to myself and everything changed. And I started uh, teaching a few years after that, because I continued to study to understand what happened that day when I had that huge awakening Mm -hmm. And, and then I felt like I wanted to share because it changed my life completely. The pain, first of all, the pain is gone completely. Mm -hmm. And, and then I I just knew I had to follow my, I had to follow my heart and my intuition and my, the, the path of my soul. That's beautiful. I love that.
0: that. And I do love that, that it is so much for you about this kind of like these embodied energies, embodied emotions, embodied release, embodied healing. Um, So I I really, I I really appreciate that. So let's turn to your book, The Burnout Antidote. And I want to say there's this raving. So Deepak Chopra is saying about Anne's book, Anne's book is a lifeline to those who who overgive in the service of others grounded in embodied spirit spirituality she guides her readers through a transformational process to access limitless wisdom and energy (laughs) wow first of all (laughs) so tell 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 us who who was this book written for and what inspired you to write it
1: yeah this book was written for me for for someone like me because You know, once I started living on my path, I had this limiting belief, um, Marianne, that if I'm on my path and I'm living my spiritual truth, that I won't burn out. And it's not true because (laughs) when you are of service, when you do you know you give you help you guide you can still burn out and a lot of people who are empaths and highly sensitive people who were perhaps born in families that didn't really get them or where it wasn't safe to be sensitive have grown up with porous boundaries and so when it comes to giving and to serving when they become adults they give more than they have to give and they deplete themselves and they don't know how to advocate for their needs and they don't know how to fill their cup fully like to be able to serve from a full cup like that's that was foreign to me I thought service Mm -hmm. was the divine path and that's it it's all about the other person right until Mm -hmm. until you hit a wall and you know and things start to fall apart and so that's what happened to me I was you know five six years into my spiritual coaching practice and one day I was just at my desk and I was writing an email and I was huffing and puffing. and My husband comes over and he's like, are you okay? I said, Oh, I think I need to refer this person to mm-hmm. someone who still likes people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel a little bit embarrassed to say that, but that's how it felt. Like I, what happens is when you give and you don't you don't look at your own needs. You start to build resentment and then you you can't do it anymore I went on this journey which is basically the process that I describe in the book on this journey of reclaiming that little girl inside of me that was whole before the world the world needed her Mm -hmm. because what I realized is that I didn't know who I was if I wasn't pleasing or if I wasn't needed Mm -hmm. and I wanted to know who I really was before before i was needed
0: yeah and we're gonna get i i want to get back to your little girl and who we are before we we were needed so to say or before we felt the need to to be needed Mm -hmm. (laughs) so in your you say in your book and yeah i think you quote someone else that we are we were born naturally altruistic can you say more about that
1: yeah absolutely so you know when we when we're born we have this center of awareness that's in, in, our, in our core, in our core essence, in our core being. And we are aware of our entire being and then also the environment around us. Sensitive, we're connected and we desire to connect with people and we desire naturally to want to help other people. That is naturally in us. It's the impulse and every human being. And then what happens is that gets distorted as we grow up, <laughs> depending on the parental and societal, you know, environments that we, that we grow up in that will, first of all, our deep empathy gets taken advantage of, or the attachment that we have with our parents, if they're more in the insecure or fearful, we become, we, we have rigid boundaries where we actually close ourselves off to everything the good and the bad, because we don't trust people. And Mm -hmm. so then we become adults and we still have this desire and this impulse to serve, especially those who were born. A lot of us were born at this era to bring so much light to the, to the planet at this time, there's so, there's, there's so much work to be done. It's, it's incredible. There's an acceleration of consciousness that's happening. That is just so, so, so powerful for us. It is important to, to take care Mm -hmm. of ourselves and to go back to, you know, being able to put those boundaries around our empathy and Mm -hmm. around our high sensitivity and know that it is a superpower, that Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not a curse. It's not something wrong with us. It's actually what makes us really powerful as healers and teachers.
0: Absolutely. I'm absolutely with, with there, there with you. So talking about empathy, you actually start book. And I think the first chapter by saying, I redefine burnout service and empathy how is your definition different from the common ones and, and what is your redefinition <laughs>
1: well, well so let's start with empathy so we put empathy on a pedestal and it's true we do need and you look at everything that's going on in the world we could use more empathy and not saying that that's not true but there is a difference between embodied empathy and disembodied empathy and when i talk about this embodied empathy i'm talking about emotional contagion that happens between the person you're serving in yourself. So instead of being in your power and being grounded in your core essence, you're out up in your head and you're out of yourself and you're in the person's emotions. And so there's an emotional contagion that happens that drains you, that takes your energy. And you have very limited amount of that kind of energy. It's not sustainable. You can't do that for very long and you'll, you'll be depleted. Embodied empathy is i understand what you're going through i understand that you're suffering but i am in my power i'm right here in my body in my heart in my belly in my light and i stand in reverence for the more that you can be i stand in reverence for the light that you are so that is divine love Mm -hmm. i see you for the more that you are and so i'm not holding you in this box that you know your emotions are are representing i'm actually holding you so that that actually energizes you there's no emotional contagions you're not in their story you're actually in your light and then you can you can um, hold them in their own in their light as well so that's a that's a difference between yeah. the two
0: empathy, yeah, and by that in in that sense, you you actually have the capacity to hold space for the other one truly, and truly. not and not in the form of your own projection, your own narrative, your own story, and whatever yes. you mix in to their story.
1: Exactly, um, and if you're there to want to please or to be needed, you you do put yourself there, right? Like you do you are in 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 kind of your own story about their problems.
0: <laughs> I I love that. And I love that redefinition. And it, it also very much resonates resonates with my own practice. And I I so I try to give back to to a lot of women of color that have gone through several and you know I'm I'm a white European woman and I have to acknowledge my own positionality, but there's actually an understandable resistance within the black community of saying there's no way you can have empathy because there's no way you can you know what it is like to walk the street every day experience systemic racism or have a grandmother that or a great-grandmother that that worked in the plantain so and and but that makes so much sense in that regard too to what you just said is in kind of like redefining embodied empathy
1: It's definitely holding the person in a greater context than the victim context. Maybe that is at first presented, right? And so there's, there's a real honor, honoring Mm -hmm. of the person's light and, and it is empowering for the person who's healing as well, because you are, you're filled, you're filled by that exchange of light. Mm -hmm. Your cup is full. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what is the, what is the goal?
0: Of this book. What is the state you desire for people reading the book and following the exercises? Because I do want to say it's a very practic practice-oriented book, which I love. So there is a lot of, of exercises and practices in there, following like in this antidote. What is the what is the what is your desire?
1: Well, I've seen too many especially women throw in the towel and just give up because they are disillusioned or disenchanted they are burnt out and they 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 know that they're here to give and to serve and to inspire and to create in order to inspire but they they've hit the wall so many times they just don't know they don't know how they can continue to do this work. And we need light workers more than ever right now. We need them and we need them to be healthy. We need them to know that their needs matter and that their self-care includes a deep, deep, deep self-love for their soul and their core essence. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, I, you know, I see, I see it in my industry and my great desire is that, you know, this book can help at least, you know, whoever it can help to, to get the tools that they need to, first of all, see that burnout is quite intelligent. So not start to be hard on ourselves. uh, If we are burnt out, because that's, that's the opposite of self-love. If you start to beat yourself up, I'm burnt out again, and I'm so bad at this. I don't know why, blah, blah, blah. So then we get really hard on ourselves. Well, that's the opposite of the process. The process is to say, oh, hi, beautiful body. Hi, hi you. My goodness. I love you so much. I'm so sorry it's hard for you right now. So I talk about this in the book where you want to talk to yourself as you're going through this healing process, like you're talking to a little child and you're talking to this little child, like the mother you've always wanted. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so it's this Mm -hmm. deep 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 divine feminine love so uh, hi beautiful hi sweetheart i love you so much i'm so sorry this is happening to you how can i help you how what do you need so seeing that actually the burnout is intelligent and it's actually saving your life so we want to thank the body for Mm -hmm. for speaking to us in this way
0: so that's that's
1: really the first step
0: it also reminds me a lot of of Buddhist practices, where it's about welcoming, welcoming everything that comes into your
1: experience. Yes, absolutely. And just, you know, um, examining it and looking at it as opposed to endure it. Right. right. Like I think for a lot of us, it's been an endurance game, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to endure my life. I'm going to endure this next chaos that's happening. No, no, it's actually quite intelligent. Why not turn towards it and, and, and question it and examine it and get curious about it every yeah. single time, something overwhelming or big happens to you. If you can look at it with curiosity instead yeah. of this, Oh, I have to endure this it changes everything yes,
0: it does it really it really does or how um, a teacher of mine phrased it even with the hardest things coming your way how can you feel just how can you just start by being just a little bit delighted <laughs> just start I love that a little bit delighted if it's I really hard that. and you're just like feeling so much resistance to the pain Yes. Um, you're like there's no way allowing this pain can ever be safe allowing this terror can ever be safe but there's sign saying that. how can you connect to a feeling where you can just be a little bit delayed?
1: I love that I love that I think to my clients like when things get really chaotic around me like I try to put just a smile on my face and go here we go <laughs> like yeah. here we go here's that here's an invitation what is the invitation of Obviously, I can't see it right now because I'm creating all this chaos, but I know that on the other side, there's like, there's awe and there's change and transformation and there's newness and there's something so much more beautiful, right? Having gone through it multiple times, you start to really trust that the chaos always leads to more embodiment and more grounding and more peace and more joy. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's... (laughs) That's beautiful, and but that's also why I just love, and you know, as an as an EFT practitioners, and you talk about somatic experiencing as well, and all of that. That's why these these practices, especially these somatic practices, are just so valuable because they contain exactly that. They kind of like give you the tool to kind of say, as we say, you know, in EFT, we signal our body, our nervous system, it's safe while feeling emotions that have never been felt, never felt safe to feel. So even though I'm feeling this emotion, I love and accept myself right right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It changes everything when you can communicate with your body like this, just letting it know that it doesn't have to be in fight or flight anymore. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a huge connection between EFT and and the word, the embodied word that 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 I do. I love I just love how, you know, the conversation is leading there, like in the world where in order to not spiritual bypass, you have to go through the body. The body is the instrument that the soul chose for this human experience. And it has to move through the light has to move through uninterrupted is kind of the ideal so every time it doesn't move uninterrupted then we can you know we can check in
0: yeah and I really do I do really love that you take that there because I think sp- spiritual bypassing is, is an issue in especially like in the high self-development growth world where it's like always about like staying high vibe and staying you know because yeah. the but as as we said you know the truth is if there is this undercurrent of unreleased emotion how to even how to even embrace high vibe if we don't even know what that means
1: you know <laughs> it's exactly and you can understand yeah, you can understand intellectually what that means in positive affirmation. And you can say, you can say them to yourself all day long and repeat these positive affirmation. But if everything inside your body is against that, like if every, everything inside your body doesn't believe that to be true because of the conditioning that you've been through, then it's not going to work. And it's going to create this dichotomy between you know, this fighting between truth and your intellect. And I've seen, I've seen people struggle with that. Like this, this negotiation between the two. And then, you know, until, until one day, you know, they realize they really have to choose. They have to choose the truth that's inside. And even if it's ugly, even (laughs) if it's shameful, even if it's something, this family secret that everybody promised they would never talk about you know, that's the stuff, that's the stuff that's in the shadow. That's the stuff that's actually running your, the creation of your reality.
0: Yeah. And we will talk some more about the shameful, ugly truth in our next session. Please tune right back with us. You can continue having this beautiful conversation with Anne Berube. Thank you so much. Welcome back to our high energy health podcast today. I'm in conversation with the beautiful Anne Berube. And we just talked about the dark and shameful pieces of our story. And I want to, I want to pick up on that, um, so to say, <laughs> um, but um, so I want to, I want to, I want to go to, to something that you say also in the beginning of, of your book. So you make um, what you call a simple promise And I quote you, so you can increase your impact in the world and your capacity for service without draining yourself or losing yourself and happiness this change is sustainable so could you talk a bit more about the steps in this book and how how this pro and why this process is sustainable and yes. we, we already talked about you know the, <laughs> steps of yeah. the work but maybe could
1: say a little bit more about that well i'll say right now that the reason why it's sustainable is because it's embodied so it's not an intellectual process that then will just leave you it will be changes that happen at the cellular level and you won't be the same you won't be the same person because when you when you shift at the cellular level, everything else shifts. Your thoughts, your feelings, your understanding, you have insights instead of the same old, same old thoughts. So that's what makes this sustainable is the embodied part that takes courage. It takes willingness. I know that everybody's capable, but it takes willingness to to be truthful, honest, and authentic with yourself. That's it. It takes a great desire to want to live an authentic life and to live the truth, the truth of yourself, and to not hide or run away or turn away from any parts of yourself. So in the book I talk about the seven step process and the first step is really to stop and take time. If you are burnt out, if you've hit a wall and you are depleted, maybe you feel resentment, maybe you're like, I'm done. Maybe physically you're actually can't continue anymore. This first act of self-love is to stop and take some time away for yourself. And so in the book, I go through different example of what you can do to take time and space for yourself as small as, you know, a Two three minute practice every day to a seven day silent retreat. Like there's choices for everyone. But but I love
0: that you call. Sorry to interrupt you. That you call even a two minute practice a retreat. I it's wanted, a retreat. I to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. Well, you know it's important to know that not everybody can afford or have the privilege to be able to go away on a retreat or even to go away from your kids or your mother in law that you're taking care of. Like I understand so. So, but it starts, it can start small and that little act of, you know, taking that, that breathing practice for yourself every day is an act of self-love and it tells your body that you mean it, that you matter. And so it's going to continue to give you some opportunity to expand that practice every, you know, every day. And then I, I love the second step. I kind of had to put it in there because once you decide to take time for yourself and to make yourself a priority, usually all the objection starts to come in. So the people right. around you say, no, I need you. <laughs> You can't do that. And then your mind also, like your thoughts, they start come up with all these objections. Well, I can't really take time for myself. I, you know, people need me. I'm really good at it. I should really continue to do it. Or I've spent all that money on a diploma, on a degree and in all these years, you know, that's what it was for me when I stopped being a professor. I was, I spent all these years studying (laughs) comparative literature and then all this money, and then there I was, I didn't want to do it anymore. And and so, but I knew it wasn't my place for now. I knew it wasn't my place for now. So I had to double down. So the, the second step is to strengthen your resolve, is to say, no, even though there's all these objection and this resistance from inside and from outside, I am going to make self-love the priority. For myself every day. It's the only way we get through burnout is if we put ourselves first. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. So, yes, for people who've been serving and helping for a long time, the first thing that comes up is that's selfish. That's really selfish. Like, why would I do that? Well, that's because of our conditioning. Like, we were modeled that you give until you die, like, you give until you're you know people are scraping you off the floor like but that's not that's not a first of all that's not a really good modeling to your children or the people (laughs) around you you want them to grow up you know knowing that they they matter they matter and that their 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 health their emotional and spiritual health is a priority Mm -hmm. right so yeah those are the kind of the first two steps that i and once you get through those first two steps, then it just really start to happen.
0: Yeah. You're choosing
1: yourself. You've chosen yourself.
0: You have chosen yourself yes and that moment that you just described and you talk about this when you know when people when people start realizing oh my god there's a shift and I, I you know I and, and there's a response and there is a response that possibly a resisting response there is another response within us and you talk about this which is the, the inner child's fear of losing love well who I who am I when I'm not needed anymore and, and who am I without love this me? need it was people, st- people still love me and and who am I without this need to be needed, which yes. is the, the classic codependency circle kind of so I'm really interested in in, in this piece and, and it actually takes such a central central role in the service that I offer is the importance of inner child work. And when we started talking about reclaiming your little girl so would you mind talking a little bit more about the importance of inner child work and, and what this what this entails for you?
1: Yes. See The the good news is that even though, you know, when we start this work, we feel, you know, maybe we feel helpless, we feel hopeless, like it just feels overwhelming. And there's so much, feels like there's so much baggage to go through. Um, The good news is that, The inner child has never let go of the power of the core essence. The inner child has never let go the magic and the the medicine and the gifts that you have to offer the world. She is holding that really tight, but she's protecting Mm -hmm. it because she needed to do that to survive the environment. Mm -hmm. She protected it so well that sometimes it's out of your awareness what's in between you and rec and uh, being able to recognize that 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 gift that you have to the world and so I see it like in onion mariam like where you know every time you peel off a layer you get closer and then you know peel off a layer of emotion and processing emotion you get closer and closer and closer to that core and so when I started to do that work with you know, with the need to be needed, I asked my inner child, who were you before people started taking from you before people needed you? And it was just this sadness. There was no answer there at all. And she even was like, "Hmm." it's almost like she turned her back to me, like that little girl. And she was like, I'm not not trusting, not trusting you. you. You've ignored me me for so long. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so the the then the it's patience. It's saying, I see that you're angry at me. I see that you're not going to give me much here, but I'm not going to go anywhere because that's exactly. the kind of love it needs. It needs that kind of love that love that says, I'm not going anywhere. I don't care yeah. if you're angry. I don't care if you're yeah. upset. And I, I stop, love, I you. don't
0: stop loving you, even if you quickly exactly. and scream and curse at me. And
1: yeah. Yeah, ignore me. Yeah, absolutely
0: yes, I did it a lot with my, with my clients, but she doesn't, she doesn't want to, she, she's just like screaming at me and kicking at me. It's like, you know, we just, we stay there. Let's stay, let's stay there.
1: You're not yeah. going anywhere. Because often there's anywhere. no reference point for a love that never goes away.
0: Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for this. We will be right back after a short little break with this wonderful, inspiring conversation with Anne Berube. welcome back to high energy health I'm Miriam Paninski your host in conversation with inspiring Anne Berube, and Berube we were just talking about how to rebuild the relationship with your inner child so as as we do this and what are could some of those emotions be we're going to face along the way because this is like kind of the painful piece of this work right
1: yes to be really honest <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and you know I was surprised to see that there was anger there too, and I think as a woman, um, anger was not something that was okay for me to express. And I do talk about it in the book a little bit too. I share a story where, at 15 years old, I remember being on the basketball court and someone was hurting my friend, and I, you know, it was like a volcano erupted in me, and I just, I just went after the girl who was hurting my friend, and I started hitting her and everybody came and pulled me away from her, and I was so embarrassed and ashamed that I couldn't control my fire. At the time, I didn't call it fire, but I couldn't control my anger that I thought, because I never was taught or I never learned how to, in a healthy way, express and speak my anger, and so that you know, and and then, so I, I kind of bottled it back up and then I became an adult who had all this anger <laughs> trapped in and and I was I didn't want to look at it because I thought if I'm angry, I'm going to lose love. Like I can't be angry. Right. If you think about being angry at your parent, a lot of parents don't they take it personally. So they don't they don't let you do that. But it, I say it's so healthy to let your children express their anger, especially if they're angry at you, let them express it because it's normal to be angry. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's normal. And if you, you know, we have a lot of autoimmune problems that come and information problems that come from suppressed fire. And so yeah. it is important to look at that. So that's one of the emotions that came up for me during this process. And it was a very interesting exploration to reacquaint myself with my fire and know that my fire actually was was good and mm-hmm. that it was the creative energy that makes things happen and yeah. but also that when something is not right it's okay to speak up and it's okay to put the line in the sand and it's okay to put a boundary and it's okay the it's important to protect the innocence yeah and and so anger is important because innocence is the most important thing right if if yes. we've all had our innocence protected we wouldn't be doing this work we wouldn't mm-hmm. need this book we wouldn't need tapping
0: <laughs> right and i think anger is such an important conversation to have for exactly those reasons that we you were just talking about for a lot of us for instance for me growing up also like being systemically abused anger was just not safe both kind of as something that I experienced as violence because it wasn't properly processed before by my caregiver but also as in kind of I couldn't be angry because that again would be punished and then there's also of course a lot of cultural aspects where it's not you know you have to act proper and you can't you know it's unprofessional and what what all of these all of these things, and actually, Margaret Lynch Ranieri. She, I'm going to have a conversation with her in just a few weeks, and she also talks about how anger is the second chakra energy, is the sacral chakra energy that turns, where you, when you can turn, where you can process anger right and give it give it give anger space, then courage, courage turns or rage turns into courage. Yes, um, and that's the anger of need, and that comes back to kind of like how. How much am I able to voice my to even know my needs?
1: Exactly. Um, exactly. The problem
0: with codependency is that with in codependency, we just we don't even know what our needs are anymore. It's not even about voicing them.
1: We totally lose track of what are our actual needs. Because we need to be loved at all costs, Mm -hmm. even if it means that we are not seen or not loved even by ourselves. So the fear of losing love and the, and the fear that we're not enough, Mm -hmm. right. Then we're not worthy of actually a love that is unconditional Mm -hmm. and (laughs) is, is often at the, you know, at the core of that, of the codependency pattern, you know, and then often when we find, find our voice and we start to put sound to fire, people around us are like, oh, I don't know, like what's going on there. Right. Or, mm-hmm. Ooh, they're a little scared. And then, so a lot of us kind of shut it down again, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really important to continue to, you know, I make the distinction in the book between embodied fire and disembodied fire. Same thing, yes. with the empathy, right? So yeah. that, in disembodied fire to me is like a bomb or like, you know, it's, it doesn't discriminate. It just like has this, well, it, you know, it just has no intelligence to it and it yeah. just hurts people. That's aggression. The, that's violence. That's violence. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the, and, and you're not in your body, you're com- you you're, you're, you're in your head or you're out of yourself mm-hmm. and you're not considering, you know, the whole But embodied Mm -hmm. fire is like a a deeply grounded volcano. So when Pele arises, like um, erupts on Hawaii, like, you know, you can see like the rumbling and it's like this connection to the earth and this connection to everything. Like there's an intelligence. And then this, when the lava comes out, which is like, to me is like voicing your anger. There's like, she literally reshapes her reality. Mm -hmm. The land is completely changed. And Mm -hmm. so she's not apologizing there's no compromising there's no self-betrayal there it's just this clear signal of fire that's like here I am and when you can get to that place of speaking from 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 that fire and 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 it's and it has this like core essence connection Mm -hmm. people listen and the impact is great Mm -hmm. and it's not violent it's not aggression but it's clear
0: it's clear yes clarity yeah yeah so what kind of what kind of anger work do you do with people <laughs> with with clients you mean yeah with clients or in your retreats and what what what, what does that look like
1: i'm curious <laughs> well I, you know I, just an example that just popped into my head when you asked that question it was this woman in a in a program who um we were we were tapping into the body. And then we were deep in the body and connecting with all the chakras and just allowing the energy to move. And I was asking different questions like that were kind of opening up emotional baggage and, and stuff. And she started to feel this like agitation and this anxiety. And, you know, she she kind of raised her hand and she said, I have to say something. She said, I'm angry at you. <laughs> ah. And I was far enough, you know, in my career as, as a spiritual coach to know that this had nothing to do with me. Yeah. And this was a beautiful opportunity for her To express this anger she had towards a person of authority. And I I just said, I just stood there and I say, tell me more. And she was surprised. Everybody was surprised. (laughs) And and I just, I just allowed her when you do this work, you you really tap into an impersonal place where it's all energy. This has nothing to do with me. She's not really angry at me. She's angry at what I represent. And so if I can like kind of be impersonal with it, but just see the beauty and the opportunity for transmutation there and so and then people around like as she was like just moving this energy and projecting it towards me people were just were crying because they were moving so much stuff because the fire is finally allowed to move it was like I get goosebumps thinking about it the whole room shift
0: (laughs) yeah I feel I feel that yeah wow (laughs) wow wow I love that story that's such a good such a beautiful (laughs) story thank you Please tune right back in with us. We're going into a little break with this high energy health episode from today with the amazing Anne Berube. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome back to this high energy health episode today. In conversation with Anne Barube, and we were just talking about um, processing old emotions, processing anger. So, what comes after? What comes after moving through <laughs> that pain or having that pain moved or processed through your body? What is what is what comes after?
1: every single time that i've allowed that to happen and i've seen it a thousand times and more in my pro- in my programs is incredible amount of peace mm-hmm. and there's new insights so you have access to new information you have access to creativity and there's freedom there's inner freedom every single time and when I see someone on the precipice of this processing and they're a little scared because it is you know it can be t- scary to stand at the edge of your own unfolding and not know what's going to happen if you jump or if you actually take that deep breath what's going to happen to all these emotions and once it you know the fear of what's going to happen is always greater than what actually happens every single time people go like oh that was not as bad as I thought, like, I was really scared of healing this or of letting you see me with that much shame, you know, that kind of thing. And so on the other side, there's that peace and that inner freedom and creativity. But there's also the little child, the inner child that has this gift, it's right, it's right there. And you can, you know, often you can do it through different exercise. And one pardon me, one of the exercises that I propose in the book is called the theater of the mind, where you actually look at her in the eyes. And then, and then you can feel, you can remember, your body remembers the gift that you have to offer the world and the power that you hold in your high sensitivity, in your high, high empathic nature. And so after that, a lot of people want to give even more. They want to be of service even more, and then they become leaders. And then again, I talk about embodied leaders, very different than the traditional leadership that we're, you know, that we're seeing is that I own all my stuff and I don't project anything onto you, Mm -hmm. but I hold you in that light. And I know that you are capable of so much more. I know that you are more than what you're presenting. And Mm -hmm. so embodied leader stand in reverence of the light in others.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> so, um, what is that? What is that core essence that you talk about? The gift. How does it feel? How does it show mm. up?
1: Well, it's the your core essence is the is the unique signature of your soul, and it's what has been with you um, since before you were born, and will continue to be with you when you die. So it's this. It's the eternity that you are and you can't hold on to it. You can't like grasp it. You can't, it's hard to explain, but it is an experience that you have. Every time you heal, you can feel the expansion happening in your body and you can feel this connection to something sacred, to something divine, to something beyond your mind and body. there's there's through different experiences you can really know with all the cells in your body that you're so much more than your mind and your body and in that moment you're connected to your core essence and you know we can't live constantly feeling like that because that's not part of the human experience we're in 3d bodies we are in this tangible you know 3d reality we we go through day and night black you know dark and and light we go through forgetting remembering forgetting remembering but in those moments of remembering you can really tap into that memory and uh and then feel it at a physical level so i you know the way that it presents for me is just this deep like warmth and knowing almost like a plop like i know I know as opposed to, I, I know with my intellect, like that's, that's not even close. Like it's not even the same at all. Um, and the core essence is really, is the point of our lives. That's why we came is to, is to incarnate that to the best of our ability. This Mm -hmm. is basically saying that I might, you know, um, all my potential can express through Mm -hmm. this body. And I find that the more we do this work, the more invitations we have to expand even more.
0: Beautiful. There's not much more to say after that. It's <laughs> Such a beautiful. So I just wanna, I just really wanna invite everyone. Please um, check out Ann's website, AnnBerube.com. Um, she has several magnificent programs and online community with month, monthly teaching courses retreats they're actually starting to happen in person again believe it or not so there is a couple coming up in hawaii just at the end of march i don't know if there's still spots available but i'm just going to mention them anyways because i'm sure there's more coming up do you want to say us say something about what you what you currently offer
1: yeah, I, I offer um, all kinds of programs for different uh, entry levels. And so, you know, the Kauai program is more of a shamanic invitation. The embodied leadership is more of a going really deeper into that you know, peeling the layers so you can really connect with that core essence gift. The happy sessions is like a weekend of a deep, it's a deep dive. And those, I do them uh, every year in Nova Scotia. They're great. They're my favorite thing to do. They're so fun. But I want. I do want to tell the listeners that they're on my website. There's a free, it's called a free quiz. It's a self-assessment, the burnout blind spot. And so you can take the quiz and kind of see where you find yourself in in the burnout blind spot. And then it offers you a self love roadmap with exercises, uh, depending on, you know, on your result, the results of your quiz. So I think, you know, if uh, people are interested, they can go to yeah. the website.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And when, last but not least, when is your, when is your book coming out? When, what is the date? April 8th. Yes. So very soon, everyone. Um, this was a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much, Anne, for joining me today. Um, and thank you to all the listeners to, to, to tune in with us. Thank you, Justin Bliss. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. Loved our time together.